0: Time for the services from the Calvary Baptist Church of Gainesville. Now, Pastor Raymond Laddie. If you'll turn with me today to Isaiah chapter 17. Isaiah chapter 17. I want to show you some relevant things that are going on and how relevant they are. Now, if you want to do some reading, and most of you know this probably better than I do. If you want to do some reading, that will help you understand what's going on in the Middle East. Because the hot topic now is Israel. Israel Hamas. Hezbollah, Iran, key words, it's almost like Ukraine and Russia have been forgotten, but it's all related, it's all related. Uh, But I want to focus on Israel today, but if you want to do some reading, I want you to read Psalms 83, if you want to write this down, Psalms 83, Ezekiel 37, 38, and 39. We're going to look at Isaiah 17 today. You can look at Zechariah is a good one in the Old Testament about Israel. We may look at that some here in just a moment. And Matthew 24, among others, those are the the, the high ones that I would hit if you want to read and kind of connect the dots of what you see going out there too, on out there too. But we're going to look at Isaiah 17 today because of a prophecy that we see that has unfolded and will continue to unfold here. And the whole reason that we look at this is because these, again, are, ty- are are time markers for us as Christians. These are reminders to us that the coming of Jesus, the rapture, as it's to me more appropriately called, is very soon. We don't know when. We don't know when, but we know that it's very soon. Now, if you look at uh, Isaiah chapter 17, this says the burden of Damascus. I'm reading from uh, Schofield edition, King James Version today, with a red letter concordance. A good Bible to look at, among others. The burden of Damascus, because I, I look at my phone, I look at my phone all the time. I mean, we always have done that, but I'm not looking at my Facebook anymore or any of that stuff. I'm looking at the Jerusalem Post. I'm looking at Haaretz news service in Israel, which they're more left-leaning. Uh, and there was a good one called Debka File that was even better, but the founder passed away, so they're not doing that anymore, under, is my understanding. Because it's unfolding that quickly, it's unfolding that quickly. So, just a day or two ago, the uh, Israelis sent a message to Hezbollah. They're about they're 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 right at Gaza now. They're about to go into Gaza with an unbelievable force. The Israeli Air Force said that they're paving the way for their ground troops, which is usually what siege warfare is. They they uh, weaken things. They plan their routes in. They're going to come in from three fronts. Well, the proxies of Iran, all led by the Prince of Persia, which is the spiritual being that is leading the uh, against God's people, all these wars and all these uh, problems, said that their hands upon the trigger that their hand is upon the trigger if Israel invades Gaza, which is what they're going to do. Now, they're, they're, they bluff a lot and they talk a lot, but they're very serious. Iran is much different than dealing with China or Russia. Iran is basically led more by Russia than we realize. Russia's got a pact with them. That goes to the Gog and Magog War, which you'll read about in Ezekiel 37, 38, and 39. There's actually two Gog-Magog Wars, one early and one later on toward Uh, Armageddon, but they said our hands are on the trigger. In other words, they said when y'all go into Gaza and especially if you don't get the people out, you know, the civilians, which they could care less about those innocent lives, don't be fooled. Hamas especially, they don't care about those people. Uh, If they did, they would do things differently. Uh, That aside, but they said if you go in and there's going to be a lot of of collateral damage, there's just no way to do it because these Hamas operatives will go into people's kitchens where the Palestinian woman's cooking and they'll fire rockets from that area. So they have to go to where those rockets are and they have to to take care of the problem. And they also use these people for human shields. I don't know if you saw, but the southern route out of Gaza, Hamas, is parking their vehicles, blocking these people. That's who they are. Uh, So anyway, when that invasion starts, they say that Hezbollah's going to just begin to rain down on northern Israel, they're already exchanging fire, that uh, other, the, the Iraqis have said that they would, they would get involved. You see, uh, of course, Iran is pulling the strings with all this, it's saying, you know, get started. They knew about this attack last week, they helped plan it and helped fund it. By the way, we gave them six million dollars, uh, or a billion, I think it was, our president did, and they're trying to freeze it now, but uh, in some ways, they, we funded them to do that. You might say the liberal side of things, but that aside, uh, Israel sent a message through France to Hezbollah that if they attacked them, you know, severely in the north that they would destroy Damascus. They're already bombing in Aleppo, they're bombing airports, runways so that the Iranians can't fly in fighters and weapons and uh, supplies. So Isaiah, all these years ago, wrote something down that the Lord had shown him. It was the burden of Damascus. Syria, we know, has been in a civil war for, it's simmered down for the most part for the last 12 years, 13 years. Except for the north, where Turkey's gotten involved, which is another player in these end-time prophecies, uh, with the Kurds, but that's aside. It says in verse 1 of Isaiah 17, the burden of Damascus. Behold, Damascus is taken away from being a city. Now, these bombing raids that the IDF has done in Gaza are nothing short of, of awe. I mean, that we we did shock and awe. You know, we went into Iraq in two thousand three. They're just leveling city blocks. That's what this kind of warfare entails and has to entail. They have to do that. They're trying to get to the tunnels. They're trying to get to these terrorists. Uh, because of what they did to the nation last week. And it says, it will be taken away from being a city, and it shall be a ruinous heap. Now, we've taught that and looked at that and read that for decades now, but that's taking more and more of a clearer picture. That could happen this afternoon. That could happen next week. Um, All the armies of the world are positioning themselves and leaders of the world because of Jerusalem and it tells us in Zechariah that Jerusalem is a burdensome stone that trips people up it's all about Jerusalem as I've said many times it says in verse 2 the cities of Oriar are forsaken they shall be for flocks which shall lie down and none shall make them afraid it means that people are gone it means that there's been total and utter destruction we don't know if that's From conventional weapons or if that's from nuclear weapons, tactical nuclear weapons. We're at a nuclear point now that's higher than we ever have been. We're in the Second Cold War, to say the least. Most of y'all, some of y'all older ones, remember the drills of the First Cold War war with Russia. It says in verse 3, the fortress shall also cease from Ephraim. Now, we don't always, we kind of, sometimes we'll think, well, the enemy... The, the the Islamic extremists and, and those people, they're the ones that are going to suffer and be, and be dealt with. And they are. But in this verse, it, it, it turns back south to Israel. And it says, the fortress also shall cease from Ephraim. That's the north of Israel. Ephraim being the largest of the 12 tribes of Israel. The bulk of the people, you might say. At least in the context of Isaiah's day. The fortress shall also cease from Israel. So what you're seeing is an exchange, and we're seeing those now. Now, they're, they're intense now, but nothing like what can be and probably will be. Remember in all this that God is sovereign. We don't know everything. We don't know there's been lots of wars since Israel came back in 48. But this one's obviously different. I think we could say that without uh, taking too much of a step forward. The fortress shall also cease from Ephraim. It means that their defenses and their capabilities and, uh, you know, their power is diminished too. We're already seeing some of that. To lose 1,300 people in Israel is a massive amount of people. You know, we lost 2,799, 2,800 people on September the 11th, and then there was collateral damage. The percentages for them are much higher based on their population. Based on their population. So it's even worse for them than September the 11th. So, in this exchange, it says that Israel is going to be shaken. The fortresses of Ephraim in the north will cease to exist. So, there's an exchange here. In other words, there's destructive warfare on either side. And you say, well, you know, God promised Israel he would never leave them and they would come out you know on top in the end and that's true but not before a lot of destruction and a lot of loss of life and god has a plan in that and all that sin and all that mess and all that burden god has a plan in the, in that so it says in the kingdom from damascus and the remnant of syria they shall be as the glory of the children of israel saith the lord of hosts In that day it shall come to pass that the glory of Jacob shall be made thin. The glory of Jacob shall be made thin. Jacob is the father of Israel. So when you see Jacob here, they're talking about the nation of Israel, saith the Lord of hosts, it shall be made thin, and the fatness of his flesh shall wax lean. Those are vivid word pictures of destruction and of, of, of war. On both fronts, uh, on of of a nation that is terribly, terribly diminished, that suffers great loss and great trauma and great terror. I, you know, I can't imagine what those folks are going through. I pulled up some videos yesterday and last night of some pictures that I wouldn't look at them if I were you of what these terrorists done to these babies. Absolutely devilish absolutely bar- barbaric i wouldn't do that if i were you because they're very graphic but this is the prophecy part of the prophecy that we see isaiah sharing now don't don't you think it pains god to see that happening to his people but don't you know it pains god to see them reject the messiah and for them to call for his blood to be on their hands and their generations to come So what's happening now Uh, But in all of this, in all of this, in God's gracious mercy, and we'll probably read this here in Zechariah, he's using this to break them to a point, a terrible thing, to get them to come back to Jesus. In many places in Israel, you'll be arrested for talking about Jesus as Messiah. Boy, that that makes them mad. That's an open wound, and it has been for over 2,000 years. And that's why they're suffering there. You know, Jesus looked out at Jerusalem when he was headed to the cross, and it's a little bit different context, but said, if only I could have gathered you under my wing like a, like a hen gathers the brood under her wing. And he's saying, you by and large have rejected me. You by and large have rejected me. And, the, and there's, there's, there's things, if you reject God and God's way and God's law, there are terrible consequences for that. You know, it just it pains me, and it makes me mad, but it also breaks my heart that with all these things going on today, we're as spiritually dead as we are. Just deadness all around us. People have no clue. And I'm not, I'm not saying that you've got to be a theologian. I'm not, I know very little in the whole scheme of things, but people have no idea. They don't care. They hate the name of Jesus. We had a march at UGA for the Palestinians misled, rich, spoiled little kids that mom and daddy sends them off to college and then they have these woke, radical, godless, heathen professors that teach them, them all this mess. That's where we're at in this country. And I'm afraid. I know the country right now and, and, and uh, Joe and all everybody's all upset about Israel. We all should be. But I think at the drop of a hat, he will abandon them. I believe that's going to happen. I believe that's going to happen. I believe when the pictures start coming out of Gaza for what they've got to do to totally, completely destroy Hamas, and they're probably going to have to do that to Hezbollah too, which is are stronger, probably has more munitions at their disposal, that, you know, the UN's already turned on them and said, you know, uh, you know what you're doing in, in, in Gaza, and they're like, did you see what they did in the south of Israel? The U.N. is an evil organization. They should never be based in New York, but that's a different. uh, But what I'm trying to say is, is that God in his love and his grace and his mercy, and he has it. We saw that young man who was one of these fighters that Jesus appeared to. And he says, I'm the way and the truth and the life. However, there are many that hate the name of Christ and want to kill his followers. But these things must happen for the people of Israel to believe. For the people of Israel to believe. It says the glory of Jacob shall be made thin and the fatness of his flesh shall be lean. And it shall be as when the harvestman gathers the corn and reaps the ears with his arm. And it shall be as he that gathereth ears in the valley of Rephia. It is the loss of life. It is the casualty numbers. It is the the best and the brightest of Israel that have died. The IDF's going to take some major casualties when they go into Gaza because they're going to have to fight door to door, closet to closet, house to house. They're going to have to go into these tunnels. And the Vietnam vets that were tunnel rats tell them, talk about what a horrible thing that is. It says they will be harvested like corn, reapeth the ears with his arm, and it shall be he that like he that gathers the ears in the valley of Rephium, yet gleaning grapes shall be left in it. Israel, although they're going to suffer and they're going to completely lose almost everything, yet there will be a remnant. This past a few weeks ago. I don't know if you noticed, there was a miraculous muscadine crop this year. Anybody enjoy them muscadines? You messed, you messed out on the Lord's grape. I call it the Lord's grape because that stuff is, man, them things are good. I found some that were firming and laying on the ground. I've recovered, but try it sometime. I'm just kidding. We made, uh, I picked them up and daddy made jelly. and Them things are wonderful. But to get the muscadine sometimes, you have to take that vine, you have to shake it. And they'll all come raining down and some of them will bust open and I eat as many as I gather. But those things, are, I love a good muscadine year. And scuppernines too. But it's going to be like that, that Israel is going to be shaken to the point that her, many of her best and brightest people and resources, military capabilities are going to be harvested by the enemy. Because if, if they're hit from all sides in whatever uh, you know, whatever form it takes, then they're going to suffer a loss that's going to be staggering. The Bible tells us that, but yet it says, even if the olive tree be shaken, uh, if there'll be some berries, two or three in the top of the uppermost bough, four or five in the utmost fruitful branches thereof, saith the Lord God of Israel. He's got a plan for that remnant, just like he's got a plan for the remnant of christian believers in the western world and in other parts of the world as well he says in verse six yet gleaning grapes shall be left in and i think i just read that the shaking of an olive tree two or three berries in the top of the utmost bow or branch four or five in the utmost fruitful branches thereof saith the lord god of israel and that day Shall a man look to his maker, and his eyes shall have respect to the Holy One of Israel? That's saying that at, through all of this, and whenever God's timing is, almost instantaneously the people will remember their Savior. The people will remember the Holy One of Israel because they have forgotten him. And through all of this shaking on all these fronts loss of life, economic, uh, you know, agricultural. Uh, you know militarily all this shaking and the harvesting of their best through death and war and disease or whatever there will be a remnant and this remnant will turn back to Jesus Christ in Israel in Israel and he shall not look to the altars anymore as a forsaken bough and in the uppermost branch which they left because of the children of Israel and there shall be desolation And the reason for this is because you have forgotten the God of your salvation and has not been mindful of the rock of your strength. Therefore shalt thou plant pleasant plants and set it with strange slips. Woe to the, in verse 12, I'm skipping, woe to the multitude of many people who make a noise like the noise of the seas and to the rushing of nations that make a rushing like the rushing of mighty waters so he's talking about I don't know if it's this war that Damascus is destroyed I—I I, I, I sure does look more like this one than it was before Damascus has been ravaged but not completely destroyed I say all that as this because this prophecy points us toward the rapture this prophecy points us toward a shaking unlike the world has ever seen to this point and it's all centered around the temple mount Around on, on that little place in Jerusalem because that's God's capital that's God's territory and God is, the, God is in control of all this you look at it and say how in the world could God allow all this chaos he's using the chaos that has been brought on by sin and by disbelief and by Satan's deception for centuries he's going to use that to take ashes and make beauty he'll do that in individual lives here today and he's going to do that eventually with Israel Because when we're taken out of here, there's going to be a very charismatic man come out of the Roman Empire probably, and he's going to say, I've got the answers to all this mess. And he's going to be good looking, and he's going to talk better than anybody, and he's going to tell everybody what they want to hear. And the whole world, all tribes and nations are going to look to him and say, he's the answer. We're going to be gone. Thank God for that mercy and grace. We believe we're going to be taken out of here. And he's going to be called the Antichrist. And he's going to set up in Jerusalem. And it's always going to be peace until three and a half years into the what we call the tribulation. And then things will really go badly. We don't know if this is the Psalm 83 war. We don't know if this is Gog and Magog kicking off. We don't know. I don't know. Anybody that says that they do is probably a little bit too fringy for me. Only God knows. But he's giving us signs. And we need, I heard somebody say the other day, and I really like this, we need to be living like Jesus is coming in 10 minutes. And we need to be spiritually ready. But we need to be planning and preparing like Jesus is coming in 1,000 years. I thought that was pretty clever. Live like he's coming in ten minutes. Get yourself right. If you're not saved, come to know Jesus, trust in him because he's giving you a way out. He's giving you eternity in Jesus, but if in in heaven, but also to plan for what may happen. and I always I'm always hesitant here because you know you don't want to be fanatical. you don't want to be, you know, One of these crazy doomsday preppers, so to speak. However, Hamas and Hezbollah have cells all over America. And it could be that the old Ayatollah with his towel on his head and his white beard, when things really, when we start launching missiles from the Gerald Ford in the Mediterranean towards Syria, that he pulls the trigger and says, mobilize, do your thing. We can see in our cities what happened in the kibbutz of southern Israel. I hope and pray that don't happen. You say, why would that happen? Because we've forgotten God. We have mocked him. And I say we, I'm not necessarily saying you, but I'm saying as a culture and as a nation, we've paid more respects to celebrities and sports figures and evil people, and forgotten the name of Yeshua. And there's destruction and death and horror in that. Can't we see that? But I know one thing. This past Wednesday night, I saw God's grace and mercy. A little fella that won a bow and arrow here a couple years ago on our first outdoor day is asking questions about how to be saved. We talked about it Wednesday night. All of all y'all have been talking, Ben and David. and He's a little fella named Joel. And I'm, I'm thinking that's Joel in, in Spanish. Pretty sure it is. He said, I want to know more about how to be saved. And he's that close. We talked about it. He's a little bitty fella. He may already be saved. The fact that he approached us and me, and uh, we, we sat down together with him and talked to him a little bit. God still says Jesus still saves. Jesus is on the throne. And you know what I would say to you? My advice to you? Have serenity in his sovereignty. No matter what we face in the days to come, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We're going to love on those people. I, if I could, I, if you had a few extra dollars, I'd try to send it to a reputable organization that they could use for relief supplies or whatever they may need. Because God says, I'll bless you. Don't They're my people. You know, love them, bless them, and I'll bless you. That's that's the promise that still stands. But um, take solace and serenity in His sovereignty. He's in control of all this. He had everything that's happening. It's like a heavenly. It, let me put it to you like this: I always see it as a spiritual chess match between the evil and the good. Well, let me put the good. Yeah, the right, the good, and the evil, the left. You might say it's like a spiritual chess match. And, and Satan says, King me. You know, he jumps and destroys and knocks the pawns out of the way. And I don't understand chess. I'm not smart enough, not even good at checkers. But he says, King me, which is what he wants, right? He says, King me, that's what he wants. That's what the that's what the 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 Muslims want. The Arabs. The, those that are that are radical. They want, they're looking for their Mahdi, their Savior. He says, King me. But Jesus was four moves ahead of him. In the heavenlies, and he shall be king. He's going to obliterate evil. He's going to obliterate sin. He's going to save millions of Jews when this comes to pass. And they're finally turned back to him. And they appear. he appears to them. And they say, where did you get them scars? I heard daddy say it a hundred times. In the house of my friends. You did it. But I'll save you. I love you. I've never abandoned you. They will turn to him by the millions. I was going to be preaching during the tribulation from Moses and Elijah, maybe Enoch. We don't know. And they're going to come back to Jesus. You see, in the Western world, especially in the Bible Belt to the South, of course, the Bible Belt's loosening and beginning to stretch, and it's going to pop one of these days because there's so much liberal evil that's anti-God out there. Um, you see, we Are born again, most of us, hopefully. Not all of us. The gospel has been rich in this part of the world, in this part of the country. But we must still cling to the gospel. We must understand that it's not your money, it's not what you wear, it's not who you are, it's your belief in Jesus. That He can save you and He can give you heaven. I want you to, in the days to come, I want you to read these prophetic scriptures. And I tell you, I would. I would examine, number one, I would examine myself spiritually. I would examine my family spiritually. And I would be urgent. I would pray and say, Lord, give me the words to say. Give me the means by which to act what would be appropriate to your word. I would plan. I would plan if there were things that went on in our cities that crippled uh, some of our systems. And I'm not, I don't want to cause any panic or, or, or sound crazy, but we're at that point now. We are at that point that that could happen. COVID was kind of a wake-up to that kind of stuff. Plan, prepare, look up. Say it with me. Plan, prepare, look up. Prepare spiritually. Plan spiritually. Prepare physically. Plan physically. Prepare to meet Jesus because it could happen tomorrow. And there are going to be so many people that are going to awaken horror when we're gone and we're out of here. They're going to go, "Why was I left?" Why was I left? You didn't come to Jesus. You didn't go to that little church. It was up the, up the road right there. You had a thousand opportunities, but you laid in bed. Are you chased after the foolishness of the world. Called them religious bigots or podunks or hicks or whatever you want to call them. But yet they were the redeemed. They were the remnant in God, in Christ. Did not forget them. They're gone. Wouldn't that be terrible to be in that place? Realize you were on the wrong side because of your pride and because of the fact that you wouldn't learn or you wouldn't accept Jesus? Well, I've got good news for you. You can come today and give your life to Jesus. Punch your ticket for the promised land. I love that song. Bound, bound for the promised land. Who, Who will come and go with me? I'm bound for the promised land. I'm thankful that God has saved a sinner like me. I told them little fellas Wednesday night, I know Ben, David, and others have been talking to them as well, about my salvation experience. And they said, here? I said, yeah, here. And I talked to them about being a pretty rambunctious little rascal and fighting and doing things I ought not to do, destroying church property, because I did do a lot of that. And they just got mesmerized. You? I said, yeah, me. Well, I said, I was saved. And I am saved and I always will be. I'm one of his children by his grace and mercy. And they listened. You could just see him turn on. Not because of what I said, but I pointed them to what Jesus said. And then we went down the Roman road. And, oh, well, he was just looking. I'll pray for him, and I know there's others. Pray for Andreas, and I could name them all. But I know that God is graceful and merciful. We can take serenity in his sovereignty with all these things going on. Thank you so much for listening to the services from Calvary Baptist Church. To hear more of this sermon or other past services, please visit our website, calvarybcgainesville.org. 97.5 Glory FM, your family radio station in North Georgia. Welcome to the New Bridge broadcast.